dismissed now to go to Children's Church. Mr. Ty is back there, and he'll lead you on the way there. We believe. Is our faith lip faith, or is it living faith? I'd like for you to take your Bibles this morning and uh, turn with me to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. This is a psalm that the Lord is using the psalmist here to speak a word to his people, the people of Israel. It's a word of instruction that's going to determine if they obey it, their destiny. And that was incredibly important at that time because they were on a disastrous path because the nation as a whole had actually forsaken the Lord. Does that sound familiar? And the words that he shares with them, the instructions he shares with them, I want to share with you today from my heart because I believe it's exactly the same instruction God has for his people in America, recognizing what is taking place. I have shared on many occasions just how concerned I am about America today with all the corruption we're seeing, with all um, depravity that we're seeing, with all the darkness that is unfolding in front of us. and. And, and my heart is broken and my heart is hurting on behalf of America today. But I want you to know I'm even more concerned about America of tomorrow. Specifically in light of the generation to come. What kind of America are they going to be living in 10 years from now? 15 years from now, 20 years from now, if our Lord tarries, if his return is not imminent, and, and, and so we're still here working our way through everything that is taking place, what kind of America are our children and our grandchildren going to be living in? So I am a burden for America today, praying earnestly, challenging you to pray daily as a follower of Christ for our nation, but I am even more concerned about the America of tomorrow. And so I want to focus this morning as we look in Psalm 78, I want to focus on preparing the next generation. Now, keep in mind, this is not a word to the world. This is not a word to those who are outside the family of God, those who have rejected Christ, those who have rejected God, and there are multitudes in our nation. Do you realize that since the very birth of America, we have always been just one generation from paganism? All it takes is one generation not fulfilling the instructions we're going to look at right here for us to be a nation uh, uh, that, that is paganistic. And I look around and I begin to think maybe we've already dropped the ball. But we still have these words of instructions to us. So as we begin to look at portions of this psalm, 
I want to draw your, your attention to three words of instruction to us. First of all, the importance that we reinforce our spiritual history. You see, I believe with all of my heart that the American dream, as we call it, was birthed into the hearts of our founding fathers by Almighty God himself. We will see, and I'm just going to scratch the surface this morning, we're going to see that that uh, our founding fathers, know, it's no question at all where they were in their faith. Now, that doesn't mean every single one of them, but the ones that the Lord was using so that this nation, the American dream, actually was birthed by Almighty God, the Lord God of heaven and earth. Now, the question is, how did we get so far away from this incredible work of God. Well, look at this with me in Psalm 78, verses 1 through 6, reinforcing our spiritual history, our spiritual heritage. This is what the Lord said to the children of Israel, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read the first six verses. Listen, O my people, to my instructions. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. That's simply a phrase referred to all the things that I have done in the past. I'm going to remind you of the works of my mighty hands. And then he goes on to say this, which we have heard and known. And our fathers have told us we will not conceal them from their children. Now listen carefully on the next phrase and verses to come. But tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children that the generation to come might know even the children yet born that they may arise and tell them to their children. This word of instruction is to us, followers of Christ. And God has given us a divine responsibility to share the praises of the Lord with our children and with our grandchildren. That is to reinforce our spiritual history. Now, we put it in the context of the nation because that's exactly where this psalmist is and how God is using this psalmist. And I put it in the context this morning of the United States of America. We have a divine commandment. Look at this. Listen to what it says up here in verse 5, which he commanded our fathers. By the way, uh, to all who are dead here today, this falls first and foremost on our shoulders. Not that our wives and the moms are not important. Obviously, it is a team. It is a team work that we have together. But 
God says it's not the world's responsibility. It is your responsibility to share the praises of my works, the praises of my wonders, the praises of our spiritual heritage in this country and our spiritual history. We ought to be history teachers to our children. Now, there are those in the world, and the world has constantly been hammering us for years, that, and it just breaks my heart that so many parents have fallen to this and say, listen, you don't have that right. The humanists are telling us and trying to intensify guilt into our hearts that you don't have the right to pass your beliefs on to your children. They should have the freedom to think for themselves. They should have the freedom to make their own decisions. Really? Fathers, mothers, grandfathers, grandmothers, the world is teaching your children. The media is teaching your children. Social media is teaching your children. All that they gather around, all of their friends and comrades, they are teaching one another. And we're already beginning to see the fruit of what the world is teaching our children and what the media is teaching our children and social media and other friends that maybe are good people but they don't know the Lord and they're not teaching and sharing things and thoughts and ideas about the Lord. And so what do we have today? We have a cancel culture today. We have wokeism today. We have Antifa today. We have hatred today. We have division today. All of this is because so many parents are saying, well, look, it's not right. They tell us it's not right. We need to let our children think for themselves and, and, and make their own decisions. If you don't teach them, the world will teach them. And so we have this divine responsibility. And in this case, the very specific focus is on our spiritual heritage and on our spiritual history, even as a nation. Let me just scratch the surface of scratching the surface, just to remind you a little bit about our spiritual history. I don't know how many of you have ever read in full, the Declaration of Independence, written and signed 245 years ago today. You might remember the first parts of it, and here's what it says. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Did you notice that the founding fathers, the writers of the declaration and all who signed that declaration believed in creation. They believed in a God that was in control and sovereignly in control of all things, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. But did you know, do you know how the Declaration of Independence ends? 
it ends with these words. And with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. So what is divine providence? It's the direct divine workings of the hands of almighty God. So the whole declaration begins by acknowledging creation, acknowledging God, our creator, and it ends with we have a, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually then pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Fourth president of the United States of America, President James Madison, wrote these words. We have staked the whole future of American civilization. Listen to this. Not on the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments. President Andrew Jackson wrote, the Bible is the rock upon which our Republic rest. I could spend the rest of our time together and beyond that as well, giving you evidence time and time and time again of how all these men knew the Lord and, and had faith and trust in God and it was the foundation, the spiritual heritage of America. It was built upon the Declaration and the Constitution. And by the way, I didn't share with you, but the President James Madison is the constructor of the Constitution of the United States of America. But it's not the world's responsibility. to instruct our children and grandchildren. We're not to delegate that out. It is our personal brothers and sisters in Christ. God says, I command you, my people, to be teachers of history, spiritual history, our spiritual heritage. The humanists, and you say, well, who are the humanists? Well, let me just kind of dumb it down for you a little bit, okay? The humanists are those who have absolutely rejected God, and to put it in the most simple of terms, worship man. That's what it is. And their desire is to get into the hearts and the minds of our children and many, many, many institutions across the face of this land. Let me give you one quote from one humanist and it happens to be a professor from Harvard University. He is an educational psychiatrist that is teaching and, and I share that, but I want to say this, that doesn't mean he represents everybody in education. Do you hear me say amen? But to give you an idea of how the humanists, and by the way, 
I'm convinced that the number one religion in America, Christianity is a relationship. But the number one religion in America is humanism. We worship a man so that man can decide what's right, what's wrong, can do what he wants to do, say what he wants to say, decide what he is, be totally confused about his or her gender. All of that comes under the fruits of humanism. And here's what he said. He says, all children who enter school at five years of age are mentally ill. Why? He gives a list of things. Two on that list are this. Because they have an allegiance to their parents. And they have an allegiance to the belief in a supernatural being. And it's our responsibility to fix them. Now again, I, I want to emphasize, he doesn't represent all educators. And let me just say this, we have some awesome educators in this room, right here. And in our school system, both public and private, who know the Lord, who love the Lord, and they're there because God put them there. And you need to be praying for them standing in the gap for them, thanking God and praising God for them because they're there representing him. They're there in his name. But we have this incredible divine command not to delegate to anybody else, but to teach our children. We are the number one instructors of our children's hearts and minds, period. But notice the second thing. Not only to reinforce our spiritual history, but we got to reconnect with our spiritual power. I, I want you to listen to this as I read verses 7 through 11, and then we're going to flip over to verses 40 through 42. Psalm 78, beginning in verse 7. That they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And do not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with, with bows, and they turned their back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. They forgot his deeds and his miracles that he had shown them. Flip over. Verse 40. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again and again, they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from their adversary. Ephraim was one of the largest and most prosperous and 
in one sense, the leader of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Lord is saying, you remember Ephraim. You remember how, though they were equipped, they had the bows, they had the arrows, they were ready for battle, but they ran in fear. Why? That because they didn't have faith, they forgot the power of God. They were not connected any longer to the power of God. Why? Because they had forsaken him. They had turned their back on him. And so they have, remember what I started with? They had limp faith before God, but they didn't have living faith before God. And so they were not connected. I want you to see this phrase in verse 41. It says that they pained. Do you see that word? Pained the Holy One of Israel. That word pained means, is where we get our English word horizon. They horizoned God. So what in the world does that mean? Well, just think about it with me for just a moment. Think about just standing on a hill. If you're standing on top of the hill and there's everything else is below you, you look out at the horizon. And as you turn, it's almost a perfect circle of a horizon as far as you can see. But it stops there, right? It's only as far as you can see. And so there's this limitation all the way around. You have been horizoned. That's what they've done to God. They're saying, God, I will trust you on the basis of what I can see. And that's where it stops. And so they were limiting God. So wait a minute, God is almighty God. Who can limit God? It's not limiting his power. It's limiting the use of his power because we're not willing by faith to step beyond what we can see. You remember what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7? We live or walk by faith not by sight. Believers today have horizoned God. Bodies of Christ have horizoned God. We make all of our decisions, we make all of our plans based upon the horizon that we can see. We can see it, we can measure it, and so we say, well, we can do this and we can do that and we can do this other and that's the problem. It's what we can do, not what God can do. My first pastor at Unity a few years ago I was discouraged and I was struggling with doubt. Things were good. Unity Baptist Church, wonderful fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. It was good. It wasn't that. It's just, I just wasn't seeing, I really just wasn't seeing the hand of God. And we were going through the motions. We were doing good things and 
experiencing some good things, but not anything great. It wasn't like, wow, God is here. And I was discouraged. I came out of seminary believing. I was talking to a retired pastor, D.B. Weber. I was sharing my discouragement with him. He said, well, tell me what you're, what you're doing. So I laid, him, laid out for him everything we were doing and all. I said, you know, it, it's good. It's just, just not, I just don't see the hand of God. He said, well, I see the problem. I said, well, what's the problem? He says, you don't need God. I said, oh, yeah, we need God. He said, no, 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 no. I know you believe you need God, but you're not acting like you need God because you're doing everything man can do and you're experiencing the fruit of man, but you're not experiencing the fruit of God. In other words, you're walking by sight and not by faith. You remember the story of Gideon I shared with you last week? He blew the trumpet for the call to war. 32,000 men showed up. Wow, we're ready for battle. God said, no, 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 no. That's way too many. So he brought it down to 3,000. Eventually, God brought it down to 300. Now, if that had been a Baptist group of people, they would have said, Lord, we only have 300. We can't win this battle. Why? Because we horizon God. God said, no, you're 300, you need me. <laughs> Go forth and fight. At 32, we're waiting for the 32,000. God says, I'm looking for the 300 that's willing to trust me beyond the horizon, beyond what you can see, beyond what you can measure. We need to reconnect with our spiritual power. And then thirdly, not only reinforce our spiritual history, reconnect with our spiritual power, but we need to repent of our spiritual failures. I want you to look at these words in Psalm 78. Verses 59 and 61. The children of Israel did not really heed the instructions of God. They didn't. So here's what happened. Listen to this. Verses 59, 60, and 61. When God heard, he was filled with wrath and greatly abhorred Israel so that he abandoned the dwelling place at Shiloh, the tent which he had pitched among the men. He gave up his strength to captivity and his glory into the hand of the adversary. Translated, you can have what you want. You don't want me, I remove my presence. You don't want to see my hands, I remove my power. You don't want to experience my glory. 
I will remove my precious favor upon you. Someone put it this way. Quote, America could become a molded crust in the histories or the history of garbage cans. God is the only hope we have, but God could be our greatest challenge. America was born 245 years ago. And here's my conviction. America needs to be born again. America will not be great again until America is godly again. But that's in our hands. That's in our hearts. That's the instructions given to us. You've heard this many times. This the answer is not in the White House. The answer is in the church house. And we can complain and we can talk to one another and, and we can uh, get totally depressed and discouraged and have all of these doubts. I understand that. I mean, you just have to hit that click sometimes, just cut all that stuff off. And whereas they have brought problems, the real problem is God's people. We need to reinforce in the hearts and minds of our children and grandchildren our spiritual heritage. Don't send that off to somebody else. Teach them, build into them, disciple them in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the history of this nation. If you don't know what it is, study, prepare yourself. You have a divine command upon your life. We need as believers to quit horizon God. We need as the body of Christ I'm challenging myself. I'm challenging you. I'm challenging Washington Baptist Church. Let's stop horizoning God, only doing what we can see, what we can count, what we can measure, human resources. Let's put our faith and trust beyond the horizon where Almighty God is. Let's repent. It's time to be honest. It's time to be transparent. It's time to call a spade a spade. Unless we, unless we obey these instructions, then there is all the reason to be concerned about the America of tomorrow.
and what our children and grandchildren are going to be living in. There's only one cornerstone. Do I have a witness on that? That's Jesus Christ and his blood. So I want us to close our service today, making that as a declaration. And I hope you accept this challenge with me to reinforce to our children our spiritual history, reconnect with our spiritual power. Let's be honest, let's repent of our spiritual failures. Would you stand as the praise team comes, leads us in this incredible song. It's our closing song. It's our closing prayer, really, of today. Our cornerstone, his blood. Our hope is built on 